Kevin, you were there. Back in May, we performed our Lesser of Two Marathon with some of the funniest people in Vancouver at the Seven Dining Lounge. We recorded that entire show. We're going to be releasing parts of it online individually as bonus pay-what-you-want content. I want to pay $7. You can do that. I want to pay $7.50. You can do that. I want to pay nothing. You can do that even if you want. (gasps) What is the Lesser of Two Evils Marathon? I wasn't here to see it done live. Then you're an idiot and I hate you. (laughs) If you like Lesser of Two Evils. And you like funny people. And you like paying whatever you want. Get get it. it. I heard there's a place you can go. Causticgear.com. Personally, my glasses were half empty. I'm Kevin Leeson. My eyesight might be failing, but my brain can fill in the blanks. Here, kitty kitty. I'm Joe Fulgham. Vision disorders. The eyes have it. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. <laughs> Bam! The word sight comes from Old English, see, or mm-hmm. gzeek, which comes from Proto-Germanic of Oh, my gzeez. <laughs> I see. And vision comes from the Latin visione. Uh-huh. The, he, well, he was in a limited series with the Scarlet Witch, as I remember. He was. Uh-huh. We're not going to talk much about him, though. Vision Sorry, Tarn. Scarlet Witch. Because <laughs> he doesn't have sight powers. Mm-hmm. Scotomophobia is the fear of blindness. Right, because it, it sounds like the fear of shit. Scat- that would be scatomophobia. Ah. This is scatomophobia. Scotomos, who, oh, was like the, who was the Greek god of uh, scooting around. Mm, that on your bum? Scotomos, yes. <laughs> He's the god that all the dogs worship when they scooch on the carpet. Scotos. Either that or it's uh, a fear of train spotting. Why? Because they're Scotomophobia. Oh, yeah. scotomophobia, sure. Mm-hmm. Sight or- The only movie ever made with Scottish people. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> So we're not going to talk about eye injuries or eye diseases very much uh, this episode. We're going to save those for their own show. This is more like the the disorders is, and the weird things. Yeah, this is more just about sight and how it works and the weird uh, disorders of sight and things cool. like that. Yeah. I'm in for it. I'm in two. I'm in three. I like it. Sight or visual perception is the ability to interpret the surrounding environment by processing information that is contained in visible light. Yes. Mm-hmm. The visual system is the part of the central nervous system which gives organisms the ability to process visual detail as well as enabling the formation of several non-image photo response functions. It non-image detects, photo response functions. That means uh, when it's bright out, your eye, your iris will contract, things mm. like that. Right. Okay. It detects and interprets information from visible light to build a representation of the surrounding environment. All right. Okay. Different- I see you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Different species are able to see different parts of the light spectrum. Mm-hmm. For example, bees can see into the ultraviolet, while pit vipers while pit vipers can accurately target prey with their pit organs, which are sensitive to infrared radiation. Mm-hmm. That's more thermoreception. Yeah. It's, uh, kind of sick, well, yes. you know, the thermos right at the end of the infrared is right outside of our visual range. Sure. So, and it is heat. You're right. Uh, the eye of a swordfish actually generates heat, even though it's in the deep, cold ocean, uh, because that makes it much better fish. detecting their prey. 
<laughs> the eye of the swordfish actually generates heat. So uh, what you're saying, Joe, mm. is that if I were in the ocean, stranded, like shipwrecked, call back to shipwrecks episode. Yes. Yep. And, and 2,000 feet underwater where, it's, where swordfish are. No, no, you like were floating at the surface and I'm getting hypothermia. Hmm. All I need to do is strap swordfish eyes to me like a giant swordfish eye suit. Or just hug a swordfish. Hug a hug. swordfish today. Well, I, I like Eskimo that. kisses, so you get very close to its eye, but watch out for that sharp, pointy bit at the end of the nose. Yeah, they thrash those things about, don't they? Yeah, I would think they do. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, if you're trying to pluck their eyeballs out for warmth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your eyes are so hot. <laughs> oh, that is, oh, maybe maybe the person who wrote this uh, report about the uh, temperature. It's swordfish. Uh, it was, it's all a misunderstanding. They actually just think it's attractive. Mm. They're very attracted to swordfish. Could be. Or the proboscis, whatever. The, you know, there's a lot to like about swordfish, I gotta say. I, I understand they're giving and tender lovers, despite the big, sharp, pointy thing. Maybe maybe because of it, they're like, man, I'm scaring everybody away with this. I'd better be uh, gentle in the lovemaking department. Maybe, maybe giving and tenderizing lovers. That's the hammerhead shark does that because he hits you and tenderizes you. Light entering the eye is refracted as it passes through the cornea. It then passes through the pupil, which is controlled by the iris, uh, and is further refracted by the lens. The cornea and lens act together as a compound lens to project an inverted image onto the retina. That's why we see everything upside down. Uh, Well, we do, but then our brain fixes it. Thank you, brain. Thanks, brain. (laughs) See, why bother with the having your brain fix it? I don't really get it. Why not just have or it reflect? Ma- maybe it doesn't, and just it's the way that we do see it upside down, but that's how we expect it. The way to fix that oh. is take your eyes out and just rotate them uh, 180 degrees. Am, am I always walking on my hands? Is that what's happening here? Oh, man. I'm upside down constantly. I, now I want to know, because you could very easily make some glasses that flip your vision mm-hmm. yes, vertically. Yes, that, that has been done. That has been done, and, and what happens? And then your brain will eventually your brain flip it, yeah. There you go. Okay. I win. Tom right. wins. I do something. All right. <laughs> The retina, this is the back of the uh, back wall of the eyeball. The retina contains photoreceptor cells called rods and cones. Mm-hmm. The rods are responsible for low light vision and have little, if any, effect on color vision. Uh, most people have three types of cones in their eyes, each with a range of color sensitivity around red, green, or blue wavelengths. We, we often say red cone, uh, green cone, and blue cone, but, but they don't pick up just those specific colors. There's an, a, an actual like wide range of colors they'll pick up. They just happen to be uh, like centered and more sensitive around those wavelengths. A spectrum, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, deficiencies in the sensitivity of these cones is called colorblindness. Yep. Ah. The information about the image is transmitted to the brain along the optic nerve. Mm-hmm. About 90% of the axons, those are nerve, fi- nerve fibers. Axon. Ax off. Ax on. Ax off. The axer. Axon. Ax off. <laughs> About 90% of the axons in the optic nerve go to the lateral geniculate nucleus in the thalamus. Lateral okay. geniculate uh, nucleus I, in so, the thalamus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm totally going to say what all of this stuff is, and I'm going to have it all ready to go. And I went and looked. Uh, it's parts of the brain. Uh, just uh, don't worry about it. Okay. Like, this is the part of the brain that deals with most visual processing. This is the part of the brain on drugs. The important thing is that another population sends information to the superior colliculus oh. in the midbrain, which assists in controlling <clears throat> eye movements as well as other motor motor responses. Uh-huh. Why so, is that important? Well, it has something to do with that uh, tyrant, that Roman tyrant, obviously. Colliculus? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Colliculus, Caligula. Yeah, the one that had sex with his horse and all that stuff. Yeah. A final population of photosensitive ganglion cells containing melanopsin sends information to the pretectum, the pupillary <laughs> reflex. Damn near killed them. <laughs> 
to several structures involved in the control of circadian rhythms and sleep, such as the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is here your biological clock, mm-hmm. and the ventrolateral preoptic nucleus, which is a region involved in sleep regulation. There will be a test mm-hmm. after the uh, recording of this episode. All, I, all I want to point out with this is that when your eye, your eye receives a bunch of information, most of it goes to the part of your brain that deals with deconstructing and creating an image of the world around you, but parts of it do get sent to other parts of your brain that don't involve that. Okay. Part of it goes to your neck. Uh, How many balls? Part of it goes to your balls. I think it goes through the visual cortex first and then makes you excited about what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And then it gets And then to your, your balls. balls swell up for some reason. <laughs> and then for no reason. <laughs> A recently discovered role for photoreceptive ganglion cells is that they mediate conscious and unconscious vision, acting as rudimentary visual brightness detectors as shown in rodless, coneless eyes. Rodless, coneless eyes. So if you don't have rods or cones in your eyes, uh-huh. you can still tell kind of how bright or dark it is. So this is right. why you get some blind people who can still tell that it's bright out, aside from the fact that it's warm from the, the bright light or something. Right, like yeah. Okay. They have no concept of what that really means. They can't sense any kind of objects. Remember when Han Solo was frozen in carbonite and he was blind, and then he was on, later on, he was on the skiff or whatever, a uh-huh. Jabba skiff, and he's like, instead of a big black light, I see a big white light. Yeah. Cones and rods. Cones and okay. rods. In science fiction. All right. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, George Lucas totally researched blindness yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. The visual cortex is the largest system in the human brain and is responsible for processing the visual image. The largest system in the human brain. Yeah. I thought it was about, uh, you know, about processing porno. I thought that was what the most important. No, that's, just, just, that's just the most time that I spend oh, with my brain. That right. <laughs> almost all goes through the visual cortex, although we will talk about porn that doesn't. Okay. From here, remember how I said I did? I looked up a lot of the stuff. From uh-huh. here, it gets super complicated. So we're just going to skip it. And it isn't even fully understood by people who aren't ignorant podcasters like us. <laughs> uh, well, I, you're going to summarize, right? I am, yeah. Can you do it in five words? No. Oh. Uh, ten words? No. <laughs> Bingo. Fifteen words. Scientists are still trying to figure out what exactly our brain does to build the visual map out of this information that it mm-hmm. receives and what areas of the brain uh, handle it and what it does and ways to describe what that process means. Okay. And there's... Means we can see, Joe. It means we can see. Yes. There are heated debates, and I barely understand what they're arguing about. Okay. Uh, Basically, uh, different areas of the brain are responsible for different types of visual processing. That includes separate locations for object recognition and facial recognition. Uh, This means damage to one of those areas can lead to face blindness, but otherwise good vision, Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as those who can recognize faces, but who are unable to recognize what any other objects they see are without other sensory clues. Oh. And I. That's why they put faces on on their kitchen utensils at home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's my. Oh, hey, Spoonie. Actually, uh, there's a YouTube video of a guy who has this uh, object blindness, but not face blindness. And he says, when I pick up a utensil, I kind of, my, I can rationally figure out this is long and kind of silver. So it's probably a fork or a spoon or a knife or something, he says. And then I touch it and I go, oh, it's kind of pointy at the end, but wide. So that's a fork. <laughs> And that's how he handles his life. But when he sees his, when he sees faces of people he knows, they just bam pop out of everything he sees, and he's like, "Oh, there's my wife. There's my kids." I thought it was chopsticks, but it turned out to be two hypodermic needles. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's why my tongue is all swollen. Seriously yeah. pointy chopsticks. Yeah, he uh, he had a he, he had a really good uh, point though. He said, you know, I, I'm really happy I got this blindness and not the face blindness because at least this way I can recognize the people that I love. Yeah, and I can and you can say to them, hey, what am I holding right yeah. now? <laughs> if you had face blindness, absolutely mm. everybody would be a stranger. Yeah. Even the people you know and love, I mean, until, until you, hear you their voice. Un, until you hear their voice or, or get some kind of confirmation. Yeah, you just, wouldn't you just go around like with your eyes closed anyway? And if I wore like a sh- uh, like a full body suit that just had faces on it all over, I would be invisible to those people. <laughs> because it would be confusing. They would think that you're. They just they would wouldn't just, see them. They wouldn't see it as a face. Uh-huh. They would see the pattern or the the eyes. Oh, and things, oh you don't. There's not like a hole through their head. They no. can see the back of the room. <laughs> no. It's just they're not good <laughs> they at putting the objects together vision. as a face. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, we talked about colorblindness. Do you want to talk about tetrachromacy? Tetrachromacy is the Not condition- to be confused with tetrachromancy, which is some kind of spell casting. Oh, yeah? What kind of spell would it cast? Oh, it's uh, what's the thing in D&D where you put your fingers together? No, the, that's no, no, no. The, the, that's burning uh, spray. No, it's yeah, got no. something to do uh, with- Color spray. Color, color spray, spray is a first level spell in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, that is the joke. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking it's got something to do with tetrapacks. You can create juice boxes for your all your compatriots sure, yes. to uh, to keep them refreshed. Mordenkainen's the long... bottomless tetra packs. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Tetrachromancy is what you used to describe the cantrips used to change the color of very small fish in bowls. Okay. The, the okay. Neon tetras. Sure. Yep. Tetrachromacy is the condition of possessing four independent channels for conveying color information, or possessing four different types of cone cells in the eye. Organisms with tetrachromacy are called tetrachromats. This is unusual because we normally only have three. We normally only have we're, three. We're trichromats, mm-hmm. normally. The benefit of tetrachromacy is that because the organism's retina contains four types of higher-intensity light receptors with different absorption spectra, the animal may see wavelengths beyond those of a typical human being's eyesight. They may even be able to distinguish colors that to a human appear to be identical. Species with tetrachromatic color vision have a small physiological advantage over rival species. Right. Tetrachromacy is demonstrated among several species of birds, fish, amphibians, reptiles, and insects. It was also the normal condition of most mammals in past evolutions. Oh. A genetic change made the majority of species of this class eventually lose two of their four oh. cones. And we only lost one. Mm-hmm. So that's why dogs, when they say dogs don't have color vision, it's just that they only have two cones instead of three. They're bichromats. So, yeah. And Mm -hmm. so all that really means is that they have a lesser range of colors that they can detect. Not that they see in black and white. I wonder uh, if uh, if there's a chance that there's a human out there who's going to get his tetrachromatic sight back. Yes. There are actually, Mutation. sorry, there are humans who, who do have tetrachromacy, uh, usually women because it's, it's, in the, uh, it's in the X chromosome, okay. and all you need is one copy of it to show up, uh, and then, it, the, then you get it. So women have two chances to get that X chromosome with that quote-unquote defect. Uh, and so with this extra cone, they can now they now have X-ray vision. X chromosome, X-ray vision, that's and what it means. And they're part of the X-Men. Yep, and they're part of the X-Men. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yep. And this leads into the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, oh, 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 ah, ah. Ka-ka, ka-ka. the buzzard and hawk buteo—that's a kind of a bird. Okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. Has one million photoreceptors per square millimeter in its retina, compared to a human's, which is uh, half a million. About 180,000, although severely myopic individuals can have as low as 7,000 per millimeter. Mm. Mm. So, not a million at all. Mm. 
they can see small rodents from a height of 15,000 feet. 15,000? Yeah. yeah. Now, is the, ro- is the rodent- That's like the, where the moon is. Is the rodent at 14,000 feet? Oh, yes. Yeah, the rodent's in their claws. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I can, can see, see this really. <laughs> okay, well, that is so special. Yeah. That Man, so- I could fly even higher and still see this thing in my claws. <laughs> the chameleon, of course, has uh, eyes that can move independently, therefore it can see in two different directions at the same time. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that before. I've seen video of that. We could yeah. get video of that, right, Joe? Oh, yeah, we'll put video of that up on causticsodapodcast.com. Go check it out on the website. Eyeballs moving independent of one another. The bee can see light between wavelengths of 300 nanometers and 650 nanometers. I suppose that's important somehow. Uh, can I pronounce that's, it nanometer? Nanometers, yes. Mm, yeah, you okay. can. All right, cool. well, I think the nanometer is what you use to measure, to measure nanometers. <laughs> right. How many nanometers are in this centimeter? So <laughs> so get the out the nanometer. Yeah. <laughs> Worker honeybees have 5,500 lenses or omatidia, omatidia mm-hmm. in each eye, and they can see polarized light. Polarized. Uh, yeah. So 300 nanometers is well down into the ultraviolet. Right. So that means they can see ultraviolet light very easily. In a fly, each eye has 3,000 lenses. The eye has a flicker fusion rate. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds like the kind of thing you want to get like boundless energy. You know, we've got a flicker fusion generator. Right. Right. Uh, their flicker fusion rate is 300 per second. Humans have a flicker fusion rate of only 60 per second in bright light and 24 per second in dim light. The flicker fusion rate is the frequency with which the flicker of an image cannot be distinguished as an individual event, like the right. frame of a movie. Like if you, yeah. if you slowed it down, you would see individual frames, speed it up, and you see a constant well, moving. Image. Yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, films are projected at 24 frames per second. So uh, seeing as how we have a flicker fusion rate of 24 in dark rooms, that kind of makes sense. Yep. But the screen is bright, which is why they're trying those high frame rate movies now. Yeah. But I hear they look weird. What I hear, they look weird to us because we're used to 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm. I hear that if you young took a people- baby. Yeah, They've never seen a movie before. Young yeah. people who haven't been as ingrained in the 24 frames per second don't find those movies as odd as we do. Okay. All right. I haven't seen That's that That's why no. I hate those young people. Oh, only one reason? Them and their color movies <laughs> with sound. Now, we mentioned how many photoreceptors a human has. Per millimeter, yeah. As low as 7,000 in severely myopic individuals. The octopus retina contains 20 million photoreceptors. What? That's 20 times more than the hawk buzzard or hawk buteo. 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 <laughs> Beauty, and the, pu- the pupil of the octopus is rectangular, as I'm sure you all know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Totally pictures. That. Yeah. I've got one on my wall. The giant squid retina contains up to 1 billion photoreceptors. Why does the giant squid need to see that, that well? Because it's really dark down there. Yeah. Oh, it's the penetrating the dark thing. It's not that it can't see a mouse at fifteen thousand feet. It's just it needs to feet up. Oh, it, it could. I guess it could see a mouse at fifty thousand feet, but it'd probably be worried about other things. Yeah, maybe than like looking for mice. And the eye, is if it was fifteen thousand, because it can't fly, it was yeah. falling. Yeah, that would be uh, tough to throw. To get over 15,000 feet and then throw a giant squid out of whatever flying thing you have. So you look for the mouse. Save yourself. Oh, you missed this time. Give me another one. <laughs> Wait, they can fly, right? Mm-hmm. The eye of the giant squid is 25 centimeters in diameter. That's the size of a dinner plate, people. And that's the, the eyeball. Imperial, the imperial uh, measurement of a dinner plate. But you wouldn't want to eat off of it. <laughs> off a squid's eye? Yeah. I would. But then you'd end up with all that eyeball in your food. That's true. The thresher shark 
has an eye up to five inches. Mm-hmm. That's 12.5. That's half the size of a giant squid. But still, for a shark. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some sharks can sense light directly through the skull by their pineal gland. What? So light passes through their skull? Yeah. So the skull is kind of translucent? I don't know if it's translucent, but maybe. Well, yeah, maybe, in a way. Huh? Maybe it's just thin. I mean, if light goes through, it has to be. Yeah. Huh. I guess to some, to some extent. It doesn't wow. teleport through. So does that mean you could do that? You know, because when uh, you're a kid, right, and you have a flashlight, and you push it right up against your hand, you can kind of see through your skin. Right. If you put a flashlight up against the side of a shark's head... Maybe you He's could, blind. You maybe blind you him. Create. Oh no! Get that that shadow image. You can kind of see through it. Yeah, maybe see its brain inside its own head. That'd be good. Right before it chumps you. It's a cool experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, uh, kids. All sort of jerks. Get out there. No, don't do that. Of course, the four-eyed fish, not just the one that wears glasses, mm-hmm. but uh, can see in air and water simultaneously. Each eye is divided by flaps, so there's one opening in the air and one in the water. We'll have a photograph of all these eyes, I'm sure, mm, on CosmicSodaPodcast.com, yeah. so you can visualize the visual apparatus. Uh-huh. You can see it for yourself. Thanks to Sherry for this next one. The barrel-eye fish, Macropina microstoma, is recognized for a highly unusual transparent fluid-filled dome on its head through which the lenses of its eyes can be seen. Oh, I've seen this one. This was actually featured on the Colbert Report. Oh, was it? It was. It was featured uh, in his segment. That's the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. Okay. (laughs) The eyes have a barrel shape and can be rotated to point either forward or straight up, looking through the fish's transparent dome. The fish normally hangs nearly motionless in the water at at a depth of about 700 meters. In the low-light conditions, it is assumed the fish detects prey by its silhouette. There's a little video that we will link to that you should watch. Check it. Yeah, I've seen this. So awesome. It's pretty funky. Yeah, it looks. Plastic. It looks like a submersible with like, a. It, yeah. Well, you know the funny part is, is that the little dots in the front that look like eyeballs, I understand are not the actual eyeballs. Those little things in the front, the like green domes on the top, are what it actually sees with. Right. Wild. Yeah. So it's looking up. It's right looking. Now? Yeah, it can look up and straight ahead like simultaneously. Oh, move your eyes. Move your eyes. What you I think mostly it moves its body. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like it has a neck. So not a lot of. Uh, it just like goes where it sees. But it is bonkers. That is a bonkers animal. Yeah. Researchers observed that when prey such as small fish and jellyfish are spotted, the eyes rotate like binoculars facing forward as it turns its body from a horizontal to a vertical position to feed. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the crazy mantis shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. We have talked about the mantis shrimp before, uh, but we talked about it mm-hmm. in the context of... Uh, it moves its uh, its four claws so fast that yes. it creates like a uh, it breaks the sound barrier or yes. some shit. Yeah, it stuns its prey with its snappy fingers. Yeah, mantis shrimp or stomatopods are marine crustaceans that grow up to twelve inches long, called sea locusts by ancient Assyrians. Oh, uh, these guys! I think they're kind of special in the creativity department, don't they? Sometimes referred to as thumb splitters because of the animal's ability to inflict painful gashes if handled incautiously. Uh-huh. Some larger species of mantis shrimp are capable of breaking through aquarium glass with a single stroke. Yeah, there's a video on YouTube of the mantis shrimp like breaking a bottle that's been dropped into its uh, environment. Yeah. But their eyes, both mounted on mobile stalks and capable of moving independently of each other, are similarly variably colored and are considered to be the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom. What? Each eye is made up of 10,000 omatidae, omatidia, sorry, like the little compound eyes of a fly. Yeah, uh-huh. 
Um, but a fly has 3,000 and it has 10,000. Mm-hmm. These are of the apposition type. Apposition eyes work by gathering a number of images, one from each eye, and combining them in the brain, with each eye typically contributing a single point of information. So it's like it, it collects pixels. Each eye collects like pixels. Kind of, yeah. It makes like a whole image. Each eye possesses trinocular vision and depth perception. Trinocular? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds better than binocular, that's for sure. It's like 50% better than binocular. Well, each of our eyes is monocular. Oh, so three times, so, that's 300% yeah. better. The upper and lower hemispheres are usually primarily for recognition of, recognition of form and motion, like the eyes of many other crustaceans. As I said, they're on stock, so they can be driven in all possible axes of movement, up to at mm. least 70 degrees. They can also track moving objects using large rapid eye movements where the two eyes move independently. They have 10 visual pigments compared to human eyes, which have four, Uh of which three are dedicated to see color. Human lenses block ultraviolet light, but the visual information leaving the retina seem to be processed into numerous parallel data streams leading into the central nervous system, greatly reducing the analytical requirements at higher levels. Sounds fancy. Mm -hmm. Mantis shrimp are able to detect different planes of polarized light and may have the best possible polarized vision polarization vision why do you why do they need this because you can see through uh water without reflections and whatnot not sure maybe mm-hmm. well that's why you have polarized sunglasses that you can do you can like you got sunshine you look into a pool and all you see is the reflection on the thing oh yeah put on polarized sunglasses you can see to the bottom oh well mm-hmm. you solved the mystery mm-hmm. shred of scientific paper uh, uh you know what if if reincarnation is a thing i might want to come back as a mantis shrimp these are red they're yeah. kind of cool yeah yeah. If only now, I mean, their lifespan is probably like, you know, six months or something like that. But if it was like 100 years, I would totally be. But then if you didn't like it, you'd come back as something else. I mean, if we're uh, if we're going into a reincarnation, sure. you could come back as a mantis shrimp. And then if you liked it after you died, you'd come back again. But unfortunately, if I was a mantis shrimp and I was an asshole mantis shrimp, then uh, according uh, to the rules, I'd come back as like a fucking dung beetle. And we know that the odds of that are pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, the polarization vision may be used for sexual signaling and communication, as their predators would be unable to detect polarization. Okay. Uh, may enable them to recognize different types of coral or prey species, which are often transparent or semi-transparent. Oh, yeah, okay. So then, you know, uh, the stuff that passes through them gets caught up in the polarization process. They could see shit. It may also give mantis shrimp information about the size of the tide, which is important to species living in shallow water near the shore. Oh, like whether it's going to be like a really, um, uh, a, a, just a short tide or a long tide. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. This last animal mm. in the animal kingdom section. I like section this one. Is the Ophiocoma wentii, possibly. Wentii. Wentii. Oh, it's like. W-E-N-D-T-I-I. A, it's like multiple uh, norms from Cheers. Yeah. George Wentii. George Wentii. Mm-hmm. This is a brittle star, which is kind of uh, like a starfish. Okay. It is found from Bermuda to Brazil, and it is about the size of an outstretched human hand. Okay. All right. Some hands are bigger than others, but we'll, we'll go with it. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. <laughs> no. All hands are the same size. All hands are the Especially when you say proven. about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It has calcite crystals embedded in its skin, surrounded by color-changing cells cr- called chromatophores, similar to what cuttlefish or octopus have for changing their skin color. Okay. However, unlike the cuttlefish or octopus, they are also used to control the amount of light passing into the calcite crystals, which are tied to nerve bundles designed to detect light and are formed into lenses. The lenses work by filtering and focusing light on an underlying photoreceptor system in the skeleton, which then relays the information to a ring of nerves around the central disc of the body. Like so the, basically they see with their whole body? They, they, yes, they're basically their entire skin is an eye. 
Uh, but not like a. It would be freaky if they all blinked. If like every pore could, you know, had Ooh. like an eyeball. It was like <laughs> blink, 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 blink. That would be freaky to That'd look be a at. Good but, Lovecraftian monster. Uh huh. Do, do underwater animals blink? Because we blink to moisturize our eyes. Uh huh. But their eyes are always moist. That's they good. only wink. They they blink <laughs> they, to maybe they just get, do it to say hello. Maybe yeah. plankton or uh, to get plankton out of there. Oh, maybe to clean gunk yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, this is a question that I should have looked up before. There's a lot of floating gunk in the ocean. I don't <laughs> know. It's mostly floating gunk. Yeah, like the facets of a compound eye, their individual images combine to form a single clear picture. The only known animals to employ a similar visual system were the now extinct trilobites. Quick mm. Google. Most fish do not blink. There are a few species that have a membrane, something like an eyelid, that they can sweep over their eyes, but they are the rare exception. I guess this type of vision that this starfish has is the rare exception, too, because the only other one that had it is extinct. Now. Yep. Dead. Maybe I talk too much. Maybe I've lost my touch. Guess I don't know what's cooking Cause I just can't see for looking Other boys have their chicks Two, three, four, five, or six I don't seem to get a booking Cause I just can't see for looking Kinda crazy, like a daisy up that well-known tree. Poor me, I'm sitting hoping, horoscoping. Won't some sister take a chance with me? I've been around the town. Everyone brings me down. Give up hope, I'm just a dope. There ain't no gals for hooking. I just can't see for looking. been around the town everyone brings me down i give up hope i'm just a dope there ain't no gals for hooking i just can't see for looking no just can't see for looking
I have a bunch of vision disorders to talk about here. Some of them are pretty interesting. Okay. Achromatopsia is a rare inherited vision disorder in which a person has little or no ability to see color. This is not the same as color blindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, color blindness, as noted, just really means that your range of, of uh, the colors you can pick up is lower. I have a uh, friend of mine who has color blindness, and he explained to me once as, like, all reds and greens look the same to him. Right. Yeah. He can't tell the difference between reds and greens. The only reason he knows it's time to go at a traffic light is the position of the light. Which is why they have a standardized position. Yeah, that's right. Right, yeah. And they're now uh, experimenting with different shapes for those lights to make it even easier for people who uh, have color problems. Like uh, shape the bottom one in, in the shape triangle. of the letters a go? Well, a triangle. Or, an, or maybe an arrow? An upward-facing triangle for the go. And mm-hmm. uh, X. An X for an the X, red. An X for the red. And a, uh, and a question mark for the yellow. <laughs> yeah, probably something. I don't know what the defaults no, are, but it's sure. Just a, it's just a guy up. shrugging. Yeah. <laughs> right. eh. It's up to you. <laughs> or a dice. <laughs> eh, your risk. You Take know what it. Torn always says? Yellow lights are always a gamble. It's true. Mm-hmm. Torn does say that. I'm uh, nodding. <laughs> People with achromatopsia also commonly experience some vision loss, especially in bright light, to which they are extremely sensitive. The severity of achromatopsia varies. Although there's no cure or treatment for this disorder, people with achromatopsia can manage its its symptoms. For example, they can wear sunglasses or tinted contact lenses to cope with the bright light. Mm -hmm. They can use magnifiers or other devices for low vision to help them read and telescopes to help them see distant objects. Sure. Mm, helps me see distant all, objects too. All pirates had uh, chromatopsia. Mm-hmm. Here's one. We talked about uh, face and object blindness. There's also motion blindness. Mm. This is called mm. akinetopsia. This is why the, the visual processing part is so complicated. There's okay. different parts of the brain that handle all sorts of different things. And if you get a lesion, a brain lesion on one of them, you can lose the ability to detect that part of vision, even mm-hmm. though you still see. So akinetopsia, also known as motion blindness, is an extremely rare neuropsychological disorder in which a patient cannot perceive motion in their visual field, okay. despite being able to see stationary objects without issue. For patients with akinetopsia, the world becomes devoid of motion. Most of what is known as about this was learned through the case study of one patient, LM. They don't give so, their full name. So is everybody just kind of freeze-framed? Like you see them just at one position? LM described pouring a cup of tea or coffee as difficult, quote, because the fluid appeared to be frozen like a glacier. She didn't know when to stop pouring because she couldn't perceive the movement of the fluid rising. Hmm, so basically... I think uh, LM stands for lizard monster, right? Could be. <laughs> your, your whole life is basically like being in a nightclub with those strobe flashes where all you see is just oh. the freeze frames, just, yeah. but then it just holds. Like as soon as anything starts moving, boom, it freezes until you stop moving. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, why is that person standing next to me? Well, they walked from here to there. Wow. Okay. It's, if you were particularly so heads up, hey, can it, hey, heads up, LM. I just have to move yeah. very. Yeah. You have to move it like a foot and then stop and then move it another foot. The softball, or whatever yeah. you got, they're throwing I, at them. <laughs> I could, if you were a particularly jumpy person, this would be a horrible condition to have. Just yeah. like, uh, uh, you totally. Could, and you know what? It would be horrible to work with that person because you'd, you'd be, hear them cause you just go, ah, 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 don't. L- yeah, LM and other patients have also complained of having trouble following conversations because lip movements and changing facial expressions were missed. Oh. Uh, she said she felt insecure when more than two people were walking around in a room. Well, and call back to the hearing episode, we know how important it is to actually watch lips move at the same time as hear yeah. what people say. Reminds me of that a Star Trek episode, that classic Star Trek episode, where some people were sped up so fast that you couldn't see them, but in, and when they were talking, all you could hear was like a... Yeah. 
Kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, that's life to an Akinist. Akinotopsian. Akinotopsian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we live in an Akinid utopia. Not for them. <laughs> she said, people were suddenly here or there, but I have not seen them moving. That's mm-hmm. when more, more than yeah. one person is in a room. It's Just a- all of a sudden, whoa. But so it's they, living in a world of teleporters. Yeah. Would, would they then feel like like they were Quicksilver from the latest X-Men movie, where they get Maybe. to move and everybody else is frozen, but then you just bump into things? I don't, but they can't even tell their own movements, right? Like, I mean, they from their from their other senses, they can tell that they're moving their arm, right. but they can't see their own movement. Oh, that's crazy. Hey, look at, look at my hand. It's invisible. No, you're just moving it back and forth. Yeah. This no, it's is invisible. crazy. Movement is inferred by comparing the change in position of an object or person. So right. these people can't watch movies. Right. She actually has difficulty crossing the street and, of course, driving cars. Uh, she started to train her hearing to estimate distance to things. Like okay. she's, she's basically... That's why she chirps like a, like a, like a dolphin or a bat, <laughs> wherever she walks around. But, I mean, this is for all intents and purposes. Like, if you can't detect anything moving, you're kind of blind. You kind of are, I, right? You're motion blind, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's certainly a, a big disorder. It's a big disadvantage, yeah. I, I, who would have even known this could have existed? Uh, Caustic soda, teaching me things. Learning is awesome. Yeah. Causes are typically brain lesions, though Alzheimer's patients may experience some akinotopsia, and there's been some research into this as a possible explanation for why they're confused a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and can be temporarily induced by magnetic fields or high doses of antidepressants. And by magnetic fields, I mean specific, not just walking around somewhere, but they specifically put you in an MRI and try to agitate that specific spot in your brain so okay. that you lose the ability to do that. Okay. There is currently no effective treatment or cure for akinetopsia. Is an MRI just like a paint machine, paint-shaking machine? It, uh, <laughs> a magnetic one. Re- re- a magnetic of. resonating right. imager. But, uh, you know, I mean, maybe there's some kind of aversion therapy. Maybe you should just, like, slap them until they, like, start to see it coming. Until right. they start to, like, duck. And you're right. like, ah, you're cured. Because the reason they can't see motion is they just don't want to. Yeah. And so you got to make totally. them. Yeah. It's a choice. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're not born with it. It's just you're, right. you're forced. Right. It's the same First, reason why yeah. I tell people who have depression, I'll oh, just cheer up. Yeah. Get over yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah. Amblyopia. Amblyopia. What's that? That's when your eyes started walking. <laughs> These eyes were made for walking. That's just what they'll do. Uh, no, it's owned by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Amblin Entertainment. Amblin, yeah, his okay. company is Amblin I got that joke. Yeah. Uh, Torrance kind of right. It kind of is uh, walking. It's a lazy eye. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, it's a condition in which a person's vision does not develop properly in early childhood because the eye and brain are not working together correctly. Uh, amblyopia, which usually affects only one eye, is also known as lazy eye. Mm-hmm. A person with amblyopia experiences blurred vision in the affected eye. Mm. However, children often do not complain of blurred vision in the amblyopic eye because this seems normal to them. Every, every, people are always blurry. Yeah. Everybody's got a bl- things, one blurry, blurry eye, right? Early treatment is advisable because if left untreated, this condition may lead to permanent vision problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, treatment options include vision therapy exercises or prescription eyeglasses. And by vision therapy, you just slap them until their eye straightens out, right? That's right. Start looking better. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, but- uh, Stop being see, so lazy, eye. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Get to work. Shape up. Uh, people with amblyopia may need to wear an eye patch over their stronger eye in order to force the affected eye to function as it should. And mm-hmm. a parrot on their shoulder. And a parrot, yeah. Oh, Yeah. I mean, it's seriously, if you were like five years old and they made you wear an eye patch, I'd be like, you didn't have to make me do nothing. I've done this for free. Wait, do I get a parrot? I'll do it if I get a parrot. (laughs) And a a saber. Yeah, but you would have this perfect excuse to dress like a pirate at all times. And then your teacher would be like, don't come to class dressed as a pirate. You'd be like, doctor's orders. Yep. 
I got a note. A hat. Also comes with this hat. Yeah. <laughs> and a cutlass. And, and my, a cutlass. And the boots that go up to my thighs. <laughs> and a blunderbuss. Yeah, it's not loaded, though. It's not loaded. I got. I do have a prescription for this blunderbuss. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a prescription blunderbuss? <laughs> We've talked about people born with the, without certain parts of their body. Mm-hmm. If you do not have the iris of your eye at all, it's called aniridia. So starting from the inside of the eye, yeah. Yeah. you got your pupil, yeah. you got your iris. Yeah, that's and the you muscle your, that contracts and, and expands that's the, that's to That's the color overclose. of the eye. So if yeah. you have blue mm-hmm. eyes, it's, your, it's right. your iris. Yeah. And then the white part is your sclera. Yeah. And if you don't have the iris, that's that muscle that opens and closes the iris to control how much light goes into it. You have incredibly impaired vision and sensitivity to light. It's just right. like you're all pupil. You're all yeah, pupil and sclera. Yeah. Your pupil is just huge and open, and you're letting every bit of light in constantly. So the world is as, the world is brighter than it would be for any. Like I don't even think a normal person's a normal. I don't think a non-affected person's eye could open as wide as this. And you look like a Betazoid from Star Trek. I would think so. Yeah, or an anime character. Or, yeah. or Little Orphan Annie. Uh-huh. She had the white eyes with the dots. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In the cartoon, the comic strip of Little Not Orphan. in the Not live action movie. Not in the live action movie. They that would though. be, yes, that mm-hmm. should have been done. People with aniridia may benefit from wearing tinted contact lenses or sunglasses, using magnifiers, and avoiding intense or glaring light. Oh, so. my God. I just had a crazy idea. Because you can mm. green... You can, with green screen technology, you yeah. can put on like a full body suit of green screen and you can make your body whatever you want. That's right? what we did in iRobot. So you could have a the green screen color, whatever color that is, whatever mm-hmm. the Pantone uh, color, whatever. Chroma green. Chroma yep. green. You could have chroma green eye uh, contact lenses. Okay. Okay. And then you could just put whatever you want in there. Buses. Oh. It, when Tigers. You, when you photogra- photograph Oh, when yourself. you photograph yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but with Photoshop, you don't even really yeah. need the no, chroma No, I mean, anymore. like for movies, for moving pictures. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. Oh, even then, yeah. Because, uh, it, 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 you have to put little ping pongs in your eyes? Green screens really work well when it's in the background, uh-huh. and you're dropping an image in, in front of the moving elements, mm-hmm. okay. right? But if the green screen is a moving element, then oh. you have to rotoscope it for like oh. every individual frame yep. becomes incredibly time-consuming and expensive. You'd be better off just putting in contact lenses. But if you wanted to have, again, with the see- seeing straight through your head, through mm-hmm. your eyes, okay. you could do that, right? Because then you could have your... Uh, would it be the same as the background? Yes, you could do that. Yeah. Because you could shoot your plate shot that shows you what's in the background. Plate and shot. then you put your person in with the green screen eyeballs, and then you could put it's them. just like you can see right through their head, through their right eyes. Through Correct. Awesome. I, I'll accept that. That's Well, that's basically, I think that's how they do most of those shots where you like blow a hole through somebody. Right. Right. And then you see through behind them. You shoot the plate shot so you can see all the background. Then you step the guy in, and then you do what is called a comp or composition where you layer the two images on top of one another. Thank you, Kevin. Mm-hmm, no problem. My, uh, the guy that sits next to me at work, by the way, calls you film guy. Film guy. I'll take film that. Guy. And yeah. then you are called straight man. Straight man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. I don't know. How film do you feel guy? about that? I finally have my superhero name. <laughs> I was about to say, film guy and straight man, that sounds like a pretty awesome cartoon coming up. But we should pitch that to Atomic Comics, Atomic Cartoons. 
Floaters and spots, I totally get these. Uh, specks or strands that seem to float across the field of vision. Floaters and spots are actually shadows on the retina cast by tiny bits of gel or cells inside the clear fluid that fills the eye. Okay. Floaters and spots usually are normal and harmless. However, in some cases, they may warn of serious conditions such as retinal detachment, diabetic retinopathy, or infection. Someone who experiences a sudden decline in vision accompanied by flashes and floaters or a sudden increase in the number of floaters should consult an ophthalmologist urgently. Urgently, because that means you the... I've had it forever. But as we know from our suicide episode, ophthalmologists have the highest rate of suicide amongst That's all true. professionals. So be nice to them. So yeah, don't be mean. Tell them how much you appreciate their work. Mm-hmm. I also have floaters, and I have different kinds of floaters. Yeah. Um, I have the dark ones, mm-hmm. which are like kind of like darky blobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have like kind of like, oh, I would describe as like protozoans almost yeah they're mm-hmm. like transparent bright spots a bit and they can be these different shapes they can uh, be long and tubular they can just be points they can like little bubbles so they can be weird little shapes uh, so both right you now. guys have floaters yes yeah. and i do not yeah. can you catch floaters i believe Are they contagious it's very no. common Oh, so you, may you be, have to rub your eyeballs together. You, yes. <laughs> you, okay. That's right. You have to eye fuck each other. Yeah. Okay. And then All you right. can catch. I'm not planning on doing that. Uh, but I am no longer going to shake hands with you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or shake eyes. I, Always I, shaking your eyes. Shake you know, them here. I went to the bathroom last week and left a floater. Yeah. Oh, and now it's in my eye. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> non 24 hour sleep wake disorder. Or N24HSWD. Or non, non-24. <laughs> okay, fine. Is a serious chronic and rare circadian rhythm disorder that affects a majority of totally blind individuals who lack light perception and cannot reset their master body clocks to the 24-hour day. Oh, yeah. It's like living in the Arctic. Right. So they oh, don't... Okay. It, instead of half a year, it's See, all year round. Not See. only do they not have rods and cones, but they also don't get those other perceptions that tell them it's bright or it's dark okay. or whatever. So, so they never sleep? Their body... Well their body can't set to the standard 24-hour clock uh-huh. because it doesn't get light signals to tell it when to sleep and when to wake up. Uh, non-24 is most commonly found in blind individu- individuals who cannot perceive light. In the United States, this disorder affects approximately 80,000 totally blind individuals who lack the light sensitivity necessary to reset their internal body clocks. In general, individuals with non-24 suffer from a variety of clinical symptoms as they cycle into and out of phase, resulting in disrupted nighttime sleep patterns and or excessive daytime sleepiness. Right. You know what the cure for this is? You just slap them until they go to sleep. That's right. Yeah. Stop thinking it's nighttime. Yeah, or Daytime right. or, yeah. Visit, or slap them until they stay awake. Visit Kevin's website, slaptherapy.com. <laughs> Empire's been built on less. Yeah. Surfer's eye. Oh, this is when you take your eye surfing. Also known as pterygium. Pronounced pterygium. So it's, it's got something to do with pterodactyls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is a common eye condition. Commonly affects people who spend a lot of time outdoors. Oh, oh I'm safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm safe. Three of, us, three of us have been done. It's a beautiful sunny day outside right now. We're inside podcast. Whenever somebody calls you and says, hey, let's go outside, Torn, you just say, oh, surfer's eye. Can't do it. Surfer's do eye. It. Surfer's eye. Pterygium. <laughs> Usually forming on the side closest to the nose, it is a growth of pink fleshy tissue mm-hmm. on the white of the eye. A tissue issue. I do have a tissue issue. It mm-hmm. is non-cancerous, usually grows slowly throughout life, but may stop growing after a certain point. In rare cases, a pterygium can continue growing until it covers the pupil of the eye and interferes with the vision. Yeah. When it affects both eyes, it is called a bilateral pterygium. Okay. Symptoms of pterygium are similar to that of feeling like something foreign is in your eye, like your eye is itchy or whatever. Yeah, you got like mm-hmm. a little moat of dust or whatnot. That's kind of annoying. That would be annoying. I wouldn't like that. 
While it's not clear what causes atrigium to develop, most experts believe that significant risk factors include prolonged exposure to ultraviolet light. So uh-huh. surfers get our that. Our greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dry eye. I can't see how surfers get that. Mm-hmm. And irritants such as dust and wind. Totally can mm-hmm. see how surfers get that. I'll slap that pterygium right out of their eye. Pterygium. <laughs> <laughs> pterygium occurrence is much greater among people who live near the equator. Oh, of course. More, more sunlight. But can develop in anyone who lives in a sunny climate. It is most often seen in young adults, ages 20 to 40. Appears to be more common in men than women. Hmm. Okay. Treatment. Slapping. Slapping. <laughs> when it requires treatment, but it usually doesn't. Okay. If symptoms are mild. Mm-hmm. If the lesion causes persistent discomfort or interferes with vision, it can be slapped or <laughs> surgically removed during an outpatient procedure. Okay. Charles Bonnet syndrome. CBS. CBS. This mm-hmm. is Charles Bonnet syndrome. <laughs> is the experience of complex visual hallucinations in a person with partial or severe blindness. See, because I thought it was a condition wherein people from the wild, wild west uh, cross-dressed. Charles, Charles Bonnet. Bonnet. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. First described by Charles Bonnet in 1760. Charles Bonnet syndrome is the name given to the visual hallucinations experienced by a partially or severely sight-impaired person. Right. The resulting absence of such sensory input to the brain when it expects sensory input and receives nothing will often create its own input. Oh. The halluc- So, yeah. so <clears throat> you're either partially or completely blind, or you're right. going... I Yeah, from what I understand, it, you, it's for people who are who have who lost... are sighted and are going blind... Mm-hmm. And instead of seeing what's actually there, you see something else. Yeah. You don't, you don't see anything, so your brain puts something there. Right. In the same way that your brain fills in, uh, actually, we don't talk much about it, the blind spot in your eye so mm-hmm. that you don't notice it. You're, it starts going, well, there's more blind spot. I better fill in what I think is there. This is like the sighted version of uh, uh, phantom limb syndrome. I, yeah, I, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Right. The hallucinations can occur at any time and can distress people of any age as they may not initially be aware that they're hallucinating. They may fear initially for their own mental health. Right. Overlaps months and years. I'm that, going crazy. Yeah. Overlaps months and years. The manifestation of hallucinations may change, becoming more or less frequent with changes in the ability to see. The length of time that the sight impaired person can suffer from these hallucinations varies according to the underlying speed of eye deterioration. All right, so, but have we gotten into, did they give you any indication of what kind of hallucinations we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I want to yeah. know what they're seeing. Yeah. Patients yeah. with the syndrome may see small people and animals. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So dwarves and midgets yep. factor into this equation. Or or are they like like one-inch tall torrents, which is even more frightening? It, yeah, I could see a I could see a one-inch tall torrent right now. Because... The- <laughs> Because there's so many of me. <laughs> I'm full so, of tinier men. <laughs> oh, that's it. You are not one. You're a Leviathan. He's a uh, little Matro- He's a Matroshka torn. Uh-huh. They can also see bright moving shapes or distorted faces. These okay. hallucinations mm-hmm. are purely visual. No sounds accompany them mm-hmm. because your ears it's aren't your filling in. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's your brain that's filling in. Yeah, it's filling spots. blank spaces. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no treatment for the condition, but in many cases, the hallucinations stop happening as the brain becomes used to the vision loss. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like during this transitionary period. So if you were going to suffer from Charles Bonnet syndrome, what do you think your most frequent hallucination would be? Like, what do you think your brain would leap to? What did, uh, oh, uh, maybe to- great old ones? Yeah. Right. Or uh, Torn would start seeing the, so the Migo cartoon characters. Why? Why are you making a caricature out of me? <laughs> Because you're a character. I have depth. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you're, you're really? I'm a complicated human being. Your depth goes all <laughs> the way down just, to real, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> the sunken city. I'm not just a Lovecraft fan, Kevin. I have other facets. That's right. Oh, yeah. 
It could so. be superheroes or boobies. <laughs> yes, boobies. <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad, actually. If you just saw boobs everywhere, you'd be like, oh, this is a good hand. I can live with this. Because, uh, you, of course, you, you can believe, never feel them. You believe that, oh, no, yes, they're hallucinations. Curse you. Still, you know, visual stimulation is usually all I require. Uh, here's an interesting thing. A 2010 study shows that 10 to 40% of elderly patients with visual impairments may have Charles Bonnet syndrome. What about 4 to 10, 10 to 40% of elderly gods? Uh, those, th- th- we haven't been able to get those in for study yet, sadly. <laughs> they, they, well, they come in, they just drive all the researchers insane. I like that I just undermine everything I said in the previous segment. <laughs> <laughs> I have depth, you know. Elder gods. I guess this was Corey that put this. Thanks, Corey. Corey found this out for me, and she has a personal account. She uh, works with the elderly a lot, and many claim to see cats, uh, often claiming they're stuck in the radiators. Uh, She thought it was a morphine or drug thing, but now that she's heard about Charles Bonnet syndrome, this actually makes a lot of sense. Nice. Cats in the radiators. Oh, the cats Cats in in the the radiator radiator with a silver spoon. Mm, 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 Boobies mm, and elder mm, gods mm, and the man of the the moon. moon. Yeah, it's it's a song about Charles Bonnet syndrome. Who knew? (laughs) Cat Stevens has depth. And then finally, in our disorders, Alice in Wonderland syndrome, or AWS, or micropsia. Micropsia. Mm, can you guess what micropsia is? Uh, you see small things. That's, see small that's actually what it is. Well, you see things as being small. Uh, it's a disorienting neurological condition which affects human visual perception. Subjects perceive humans, parts of humans, animals, and inanimate objects as substantially smaller than in reality. Mm-hmm. So things in your eyeballs may be smaller than they appear. Or right. maybe larger than they appear. <laughs> maybe larger than they yeah. appear. That's right. You keep telling yourself that, Kevin. Oh, no. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> Generally, the object perceived appears far away or extremely close at the same time. For example, a family pet such as a dog may appear the size of a mouse or a normal car may look shrunk to, to scale. This leads to another name for the condition, Lilliput sight or Lilliputian hallucinations. This is why Kevin only dates people with micropsia. Or Lilli- no, no, it's much bigger. Or Lilliputianations. Lilliputianations. Hal- no, Lilliputianations. There you go. I'll take it. The condition is in terms of perception only. The mechanics of the eye are not affected. Only the brain's interpretation of information right. passed from the eyes. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about this in psychoses? We, we have possibly? never talked about this. No? All right. No, we have definitely not talked about this. I it challenge awesome. the listeners to uh, prove you wrong. <sighs> that, was- that happens constantly. <laughs> I also don't remember, but my memory's bad, so. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too.
Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson in a closed carriage tied to an opponent who was hacking at his lower region with his teeth. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Okay. It's not like Joe's uh, complex uh, corkscrew penis. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the acrobatics. Got thumbs up and the hang ten. The uh, mm-hmm. acrobatics I have to do to get people off. By people, I mean me. Mm-hmm. People. People are people, so why, why should it be? be? Joe mm-hmm. has to touch himself so awfully. People are people, people so why should it be? be? Joe has to touch himself so awfully. Don't, don't, don't. Because I'm a gong, gong, gong. As, as sung by Marvin the Martian. Our, <laughs> that's who you did. People are people. So why should it be?